Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Matthew 17 and verse 20. It simply says, If ye have faith, if ye have faith, ye shall say unto this mountain, Be removed to yonder place, and it shall obey you. And now notice, And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. You can look it up in all kinds of translations. You can look it up in the Greek concordances. You can look it up to find out what the words say, and you'll find out exactly what's written here is exactly what Jesus said. It's exactly what Jesus meant. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you'd say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Have you ever viewed life that way? Have you ever viewed yourself that way, that nothing is impossible to you? Have you ever viewed life that way? Nothing is impossible unto me. I didn't say it. I'm just quoting the words of Jesus. No matter what the situation is, no matter what the need may be, no matter what the circumstances are, this is to be fresh in our thinking, in the forefront of our mind, alive within our spirits. If we have faith, nothing shall be impossible unto us. And in this case, of course, he's referring to casting the devil out of this, this boy and getting him delivered and set free and healed. His disciple says, why couldn't we do it? He said, because of your unbelief. If you have faith, as a grain of mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, whether it be a literal mountain, a mountain of adversity, a circumstance, a hindrance to our progress, our spiritual progress, whatever it is, he said, you'd say to that mountain, remove hence the yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Say it with me. If I have faith, nothing shall be impossible unto me. Now, where does faith come from? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The Bible clearly teaches us that we have the means whereby to obtain faith. If God says we have to have faith, if He demands that we have faith and does not give us the means whereby we can obtain faith, we have a right to challenge God's justice. But he shared with us in Romans 10:17 by his Spirit through the lips of the Apostle Paul, saying, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Can you see that? It's unlimited to us. This realm and life of the Spirit is unlimited unto us. It's according unto our faith. It shall be done unto us. Jesus said that, made statements to that effect. According unto your faith, so be it done unto you. Amen. But you see, beloved, this is something that a lot of people just don't want to hear in Christianity. But like I've told you time and time again, I want to find out what the, what the problem is. And I want to find out where I'm missing it in the things of God, when it comes to the things of God. And I don't want to live a life where we just cop out and say, well, the reason why that didn't happen is because God didn't want it to happen. Beloved, that boy was not delivered, although the disciples tried to deliver that boy. It was not that it wasn't the Father's will. Jesus said the official reason was because they lacked faith. It was their unbelief. And because of their unbelief. And we stated in Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, that the hindrance, the biggest hindrance to our faith is unbelief. It is the sin that so easily besets us, surrounds us, hinders us, hems us in, harasses us. It's constantly present. It's constantly attacking us. Do you see that? And so we want to continue talking about this thing called unbelief and its cure. And we found out the cure to be proper teaching or the good teaching of God's holy word because when Jesus' ministry was hindered, not that His power was diminished, His ministry was hindered, He couldn't do all that the Father wanted done in some people's lives because He said of their unbelief. And He marveled at their unbelief. And that was in Nazareth, in His own hometown. 
He marveled at their unbelief, so he went about teaching. Teaching is the cure for unbelief. And that's what we're talking about. Bad teaching will produce more unbelief. And there's no question about that. If we're taught wrong, we'll believe wrong. Our thinking will be wrong. Our believing will be wrong. Our speaking will be wrong. And believe me, faith will be working, but not in a positive sense. It'll be working in the negative sense. Because some of the laws of the Spirit that Jesus taught work, whether it's in a positive sense or in a negative sense. And so some of the things we said we need to be taught, number one, people need to know God's willingness to meet their needs. God our Father is always willing and able and eagerly yearning to reach out to meet the needs of His people. God is able, God is willing, God is eagerly yearning to reach out. But because of this thing called unbelief, very often many needs go unmet. These people were about to walk away without having that man or that boy delivered. And if it were not for the ministry of Jesus Himself, that boy would have stayed in his condition. But thank God Jesus didn't turn around and say, Look to His Father. Look, sir, I'm sorry, but it's not the Father's will that your child be delivered from that epileptic spirit, that spirit of lunacy that tries to kill him, destroy him, that suicidal spirit that's upon him. It's not the Father's will. He's going to have to stay that way and put up with it for the rest of his life. Jesus never said that to anyone. And he wasn't saying it now or then. But many would walk away from that place of trying to set somebody free, thinking, well, it wasn't the Father's will. God is able. God is willing. God is eagerly yearning. But we have to rise up to a place where our faith meets the challenge. And that's why Jesus told His disciples, it's because of your unbelief. It requires faith. And without it, the work of God is not going to be effectively done in the earth. Secondly, we said that people need to know that God works through His Word, and it's important that we search the Scriptures for ourselves to find out what the Word says. No word, then no working of God's power. God upholds all things by the word of His power. All things are subservient to the word of God's power. And unless people know the word of God, once again, God's not going to be able to be working in their lives like He wants to. It's so important that we understand that. Again, many come to a place of prayer, and all they do is begin to cry out to God, wanting Him to help them, but they don't have the Word of God in their hearts and in their mouths. And without the Word of God, the Spirit of God doesn't have a whole lot to work with. The Bible says that God the Father watches over His Word to perform it to make it good. He says, My Word will not return void. It will accomplish the purpose of My will. That which I please, it will prosper in a thing whereto I sent it. And the Spirit of God is hovering over our lives just as He hovered in the very beginning to do what? To carry out the plan and, and, of the Father God by quickening the Word, making it a living thing, alive, a reality in this world in which we live. And so you see, unless we are acting in harmony with the Word of God, God's activity will be limited in our lives. So we've got to get a hold of the Word of God, recognize its place of importance, and the Bible says that He has exalted His Word above His name. Psalms 138, verse 2. What a high place. Amen. And so, you see, we've got to search the Scriptures for ourselves, knowing that God works through His Word. And it's time that the people of God stop making excuses for not knowing what the Word of God says and start diligently searching the Scriptures to find out what God said so the faith can be lodged within the heart and we can act in faith and not in doubt in unbelief. third thing we said was we have to understand confession and the place that it holds. And there are two parts to that. Number one, confession from God's viewpoint or His perspective, the way God does things. And we said that God speaks things into existence. Psalms 33, verses 6 through 9 will tell us that. This is just a review, so you just go ahead and write it down. For those of you that have not heard it before, then look it up for yourself. But in those verses of Scripture, you'll find out that God made all things by the breath of His mouth. 
He spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. So all things are, in, the, in this realm of life, were brought into existence by the Word of God's power. And up, all things are upheld. And that means propelled, sustained, maintained by the Word of God's power. All things that we see were not made of things that do appear, we are told. But by faith, God spoke and this world came into being. And so all things are subservient to the Word of God's power. But that's God, the God Word side of it. God speaks things into being. We said the Father thought of it. We said the Son spoke it. The Holy Ghost produced it. If you want to put it all together. But now we become the sons of God. And part two is this. It's our responsibility to take our place as the sons and the daughters of the Most High God and speak His Word also. That's what He said in Matthew 17. If you had faith, you would what? What's the next word there? Look at it. Look, look at it in the Word of God. Chapter 17, verse 20. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall what? That's a big word there, my brother and sister. That's a big word you'd say. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. He said, If you had faith, you'd say it's time to stop thinking about what we're saying. What are we saying? Do we understand the place our words hold in, in the scheme of things? Have we yet to recognize and realize that death and life are in the power of the tongue? Has this teaching on confession at this point made its impact, its full impact upon the consciousness of the church? I believe it's the answer to that is no. Many try it for a time, for a season. But, beloved, you don't try the things of God for a time or a season. You know that God cannot lie. You know that Jesus told the truth. No matter what comes against us to discourage us, to destroy our confession of faith, we have to recognize that we must hold fast to what God says because now we are His co-speakers in the earth. Remember Isaiah? I can't go. I'm a man of unclean lips. Give me a hold of your tongue. I'll put some coal, fire coal upon it and burn out anything that's unclean. And you'll go speaking forth the pure and adulterated word of truth to people. It'll make an impact and a change in the earth. God never does things in the earth just by Himself when it comes to working with humanity. He always has someone to be His messenger boy, His spokesperson. And beloved, are you ready for this? God's words in our hearts, on our lips, means that as we proclaim truth, all things are subservient to the word of His power. See, it's not us. God's still the, the master designer. He put the thing all together. These are His thoughts that are higher than our thoughts, His ways that are higher than our ways. All we're doing is following through with His plan. Now, as the sons and daughters of God, we speak His word in faith. And what happens? God watches over His Word and by the power of the Holy Spirit produces it in the earth. This is spiritual law. And that's what He was teaching them right here, spiritual law. You'll find the same truth taught in Mark eleven twenty three. For verily I say unto you, to you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, say to this mountain, say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. Now here's the catch. And shall not doubt... Don't have any unbelief. Don't have unbelief mixed with your words, with your heart. Shall not doubt. Doubt what, Lord? That those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Notice we should do a study on the word if in the Bible. Do you know that? You know how many ifs are in there? If you abide in me. And the implication is if my word abides in you, then you shall ask what you, then you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart, and again, it implies if you believe in your heart, big word. If you have faith, you would say. Do you see that? It's a big word. And so once again, has this truth of confession made its full impact upon our consciousness yet? I believe not.
But, beloved, we're heading in that direction. And we have to rise up to the occasion. We also said that if this is all true, then why is it that so many are reluctant to speak out the word of faith? And we said, number one, is because many don't understand the principles that we're explaining here this evening. Church has become just a religious form. We go to church just to put in our time because we're obligated. Talk about the things that are happening in the earth today and how big the devil is and what he's doing. How terrible life is. I read one article sent to a particular evangelist and I was reading that. This woman said, you know what? I wish there would be a, a nuclear bomb explode somewhere to take us all home so we all go be with Jesus. Boy, this is a pretty optimistic person, isn't it? She went on saying, be nice if just this would happen. We all get wiped off the face of the earth and just go on. In other words, I'm so discouraged. I'm so downtrodden. I'm so defeated in life. You know, let's just, let's just go home. My goodness, does she have a lot to work on in her life. I'm going to tell you something right now. If you're in Jesus, you should be the most optimistic person that walks upon the face of this earth. If we are in Jesus, we should have our heads high and lifted up because He's the glory and the lifter of our heads. That doesn't mean we're going to go through life on a bed of ease, but what it does mean, whenever we encounter difficulties, problems, circumstances, He is the glory and the lifter of our head. He is our strength and our salvation. He is the joy of our lives, our fortified place, and we can go through it all in Him. Because, you see, we can do all things in Christ who is our strength. When are we going to believe that? When He comes on the earth to reign for a thousand years in His millennial reign, well, what do you want to believe it then for? Let's believe it right now. Greater is He that's in us than He that's in the world. See, what she needed was a good dose of the Word of God. Get a hold of the Word of God. Start saying what God said. We don't need any nuclear bomb to finish the plan of God. Do we? The only way we should want to depart from this realm of life is in the rapture. Can you say amen to that? Just take off in glory. That's the way. That's the victorious way. That's the Jesus way. That's the Word way. But secondly, also because the things in this visible world have become more real to us than spiritual things. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 and 4, 18, we see a truth. We walk by faith, not by sight. We have five physical senses that dictate knowledge to, to us things that we understand because of what we receive from our five physical senses. But we don't walk by that. We walk by faith, not by sight, by what we perceive in our spirit from the Word of God. And in 4.18 it says, While we look not at the things seen, but the things that are not seen, because these things that are seen are temporal, they're subject to change. But the things that are not seen, those things are forever and ever. They are eternal. And this is a tremendous secret to it all. A tremendous key to it all. It's developing our ability to look beyond the realm of the visible to the realm of the invisible. The realm of the material to the realm of the spiritual. The realm of the physical, look beyond that to the realm of the supernatural. That's what the true life of faith is all about. This is what we should be learning in church. Not just having religious form, but, re but learning truths from God's holy word so that we can take those truths, extracting truths out of God's word, put them inside our hearts, plant them, as Mark 4 says, into our innermost being so that eventually they will produce fruit in our lives. Being productive, fruit-bearing branches in the vine. Yes, we are in Him, and His Word is abiding in us. The principles, not just formulas. Some people hear that, and they run off with it, and they say, well, you know what? If that's true, I can just say it, and it's going to happen. Then I'll just start saying all kinds of things. The Bible doesn't say if you say all kinds of things, it's going to happen. The Bible says God watches over His Word to perform it. The Bible says if you have the Word of God living in you, abiding in you, and then you speak out, ask what ye will, it shall be done unto you. It has to align with the Word of God. God's not give us some, going to give us something that's so powerful and say, go play with it. This is powerful. This is how He brought the Word into being. 
He breathed the breath of life into us. Now he says, look, you're my sons and my daughters. Look, you are the ones that have been created in my image and likeness. Now, you know what I want you to do? I want you to have dominion and exercise authority over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air. And every creeping thing that creeps upon the face of the earth, I want you to exercise dominion. Subdue it. And how do we do that? Get a big old rope and throw it out there and pull it all in? No. How do we do that? How was Adam supposed to do that? By faith. That's what it is. It's authority. It's ultimate reality. He was supposed to do that by the words of his mouth. As, he, as God's co-speaker, he was supposed to speak out and say, Serpent! You're asking me, hath God said? I don't even want to talk about it. What God says is, take your place. That's all he had to do. That's all Eve had to do. I give you power and authority. Serpent comes along and says, Hath God said? What gives you the right to challenge what God has spoken or what God has said? You see, we shouldn't entertain demon spirits. Suggestive thoughts that come from darkness. We shouldn't entertain those things. What God said is. What He says is. What He said is. And I'm not going to even argue with you about it. I'm not even going to try to defend what God says. What God says is, for God is God. Now you take your place where you belong. That's all that they had to do. But they didn't do it. See, He's revealing us a truth that is so profound and so deep, something that we've got to really grab a hold of and grow into. Yes, there is a spiritual world out there. And we must not be playing games, not go about playing games with this truth. We must be... Doing what 2 Corinthians 14 says, developing in this. Our ability to look at the things that are not seen as opposed to the things that are seen. Because these things can be changed, those, th those things cannot. We build those things into our spirit life by the confession of faith that we speak forth and, and meditate in the Word of God. So we build faith in our lives and our hearts. And then we take our place as we begin to have that insight and see beyond the realm of the natural then, praise God, things begin to happen as we speak out in faith, believing. But that's another reason. Now, another one that I want to add to all this is we must understand the fight of faith and know that faith is not stationary in our lives. Our position of faith is not stationary in our lives. And please make note of this. We must understand how to fight the fight of faith and know that our faith life is not stationary. Just because we had a faith victory yesterday, that's no guarantee we're going to maintain a faith victory throughout all the length of our days upon this earth or have a faith victory tomorrow. If we stay in faith, we'll continue to have faith victories. But if we don't stay in faith, unbelief can very quickly enter into our lives once again and dislodge us from our life of faith or our position of faith and overcome us once again. It's the sin that so easily besets us. We know our God is big. We're, we're, we're bold to proclaim that. He can do all things. Nothing is impossible with Him. But how big is He in our lives? Answer the question. How big is He in my life? Can I believe He'll put food on the table tomorrow? Can I believe He'll pay the bill by the end of the month? Do you see what happens? We have a, a warfare, a battle that goes on. And so we must understand this. Look at 1 Timothy 6.12. How do you fight faith? Do you use bombs? I think not. Well, what do we think he means when he says fight the good fight of faith? What is he talking about? Beloved, make note of this. Fight of faith is a fight of words. Did you know that? The fight of faith is a fight of words. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. It's not a fist. That's not a fight of faith. Not at all. It's not a sword, a natural sword, a bomb, a gun, hand grenade. No. How do we fight this fight of faith? It's a good question. Well, it tells us right here. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed or confessed a good confession or profession before many witnesses. And once again, notice faith 
and confession or profession. And if you look the word up in the Greek, all it means is saying the same thing. Fight the good fight of saying the same thing that God said about you so that you can lay hold of eternal life. You've been called to it. It belongs to you. It's the abundant life that comes from God that's given unto us, and it's yours to have. Now, what you need to do is to fight the good fight of saying the same thing that God says about your circumstances and about your life about who you are in Christ, about what you have in Christ, about what Jesus is doing for you right now, about His precious blood, about His glorious, powerful, omnipotent name. Fight the good fight of faith. You've been made more than a conqueror. Say that. Say the same thing. We have to understand this fight of faith. And we also have to, if we're going to get out of doubt and unbelief, beloved, we've got to learn to fight the good fight of faith because there's going to be a fight. Why is there going to be a fight? Because when we begin to step out of the boat of the senses onto the water of the Word, then we will be attacked by the enemy to see to it that we don't stay in that realm very long because it's in that realm that he is defeated. Make note of it. It's in that realm that the enemy is defeated. It is in that realm that we overcome. When we get out of that boat, when we get out into the water of the Word, immediately in that realm, the spiritual realm, our faith antenna goes up to the sky. And I'll tell you something, the devil can see it, demons can see it. We're operating, not in the natural, not even in the intellectual. We are operating in the spiritual realm. And in that realm, our faith antenna is up there. You say, well, how do you know that they can see it? Because there's not a whole lot of people operating out there in that realm. And when you start seeing those antennas shoot up, well, there's one over there. It's sparse. See, well, there's one over there. There's one over there. The devil is not omnipresent. He's not lurking behind every door, as so many think. He can't be everywhere at the same time. So he has to use his agents. And when he sees someone operating in faith, he gets a few together and says, I assigned you go over that church over there. If he sees people being religious, living in a life of religious form, he's already got them entrapped. What's the use? Just do what is necessary to keep them in that place and everything will be okay. We're going to get our job done here. But oh, there's one of those faith-walking, tongue-talking, love-practicing, living epistles of the living Christ, read and known of all men, and there they go again, speaking the word of faith again, gotten out of the boat. Now they're out there on the water of the word. You, 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 get these ten together, and you make sure that you go and dislodge them from their position of faith. Get them out of that realm, because that's where we're defeated. Fight the good fight of faith. Let's make note of some of these things. Turn with me first, if you would, please, to Matthew chapter 14. I want to show you what I'm talking about. Not everything that we believe God for or exercise faith for is instantly manifested or obtained in the physical realm. How many of you know that? It would be nice if it were true, but it's not true. Not everything is instantly manifested in the physical realm. But that doesn't mean... That spiritual law is not set in motion because, you see, it is. It is set in motion. The moment we begin to act in faith, spiritual laws are set in motion and things begin to happen in the spiritual realm. It may not be instantly manifested in this realm, in the physical realm in which we live, but spiritual law has been set in motion and that which is necessary to get it manifested in this realm has been set in motion, and if it's allowed to run its full course, it will evident, eventually rather, produce what we've been believing God for in this realm of life. In Matthew 14, we understand the example of Peter. Or we have revealed to us the example of Peter, and we understand that he got out of the boat, he began to walk out on the water. You can read it there, starting with verse 22 and right on down through. He acted on the word that Jesus spoke when he said, Come, in verse 29. But in verse 30, when he saw the wind that was boisterous and he was afraid, began to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand. He caught him and he said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou, what? 
And once again we see that when we begin to step out in the realm of faith, our faith antenna goes up. And when it does, of course, agents of darkness obviously are signed against us to dislodge us from our position of faith and once again cause us to, to go back into the natural where we're defeated. It began to work, Peter. It was working for Peter. But evidently he got his eyes off of Jesus, off of the Word of God. And when he did what he heard, what he saw, those things, the five physical senses, are friends for life. The five physical senses were dictating other things. You know, the wind was there, the waves were there when he first got out of the boat. But the more he walked, the more he walked, the more he walked, his eyes were first of all fixed and focused on Jesus, the Word of God. But then all of a sudden, what's going on here? What's, what? And he began to doubt. And here's the point. Our position of faith is not fixed. Just because we release faith, it does not mean that we cannot be removed from our position of faith. If we take our eyes off of the Word of God. And here's the point, beloved. We need to become more diligent, persistent, more serious about the Word of God. About the things of God. We've got to look to the Word knowing it's infallible, knowing that God cannot lie. And maintain a fixed position in our hearts and within our minds. So as to not be removed from our fixed position of faith. When the enemy comes with circumstances or when the winds of adversity blow against us. But again, a point that is very important and make note of it. Jesus said, the storms of life will come to us all. When we get out there and begin to believe God for anything, the storm is still going to come and rage against all of our lives. And what's the purpose of it? To cause a great fall to come. For failure to come. But Jesus said the one who is going to prevail is the one who digs deep into the Word of God, lays the foundation of his life upon solid ground. And when those storms come, beloved, it's not just haphazardly speaking out the Word of God. It's not just jumping out of the boat just aimlessly like, like some think faith is just a leap into darkness. It's not a leap into darkness. Faith is a leap into the light, not into the darkness but the light of God's Word. And as we leap out of that boat, knowing what God said, having laid a solid foundation for ourselves. See, someone will just get an evil report. You're the child of God. You know what the Word of God says. And you'll begin to talk to that person who doesn't know the Word of God about the Word of faith. And rightfully so. You want them to grab a hold of it. But there's no foundation there. They've been given a terrible report, an evil report. You don't have much longer to live. And we try to get a hold of their, their spirit life, their, their, their understanding, so they can get a hold of the things of God. But it's too late. You ever try to dig a foundation? Boy, I just did that within the last few weeks. I'm talking about a literal foundation. And I mean to tell you, I had to beat through some rock. I had to beat and just dig, going three feet, and just dig and dig and dig and dig and dig. It's not an easy job. But you see, if you want to have a good foundation, no one says it's going to be easy. It's going to be a lot of work and it's going to take a lot of diligence. But beloved, I can't dig a foundation for somebody else's life. And neither can you. People have got to wake up awake to righteousness and recognize and realize that the only way they're going to be secure in Jesus is by digging deep into the Word of the living God and laying for themselves a foundation for their own lives. Because we can't dictate to people what, what they should be doing in their time of crisis or in their time of need. And when that happens, people will say, well, see, it didn't work for them. They tried saying with the stripes I'm healed and it didn't work for them. Obviously not. If you don't have a good, solid foundation dug for your life, if you don't know the depth, in-depth teaching of God's holy word as far as that subject of divine healing and health is concerned, then it's apparent that when the storm of life does come, there's no strong foundation there. What's going to happen? The Bible says great will be the fall of it. He wasn't talking to non-believers. talking about those that hear the word. Some hear it and just, just hear it. That's all there is to it. But others hear it and they dig deep into the word of God, lay a foundation for themselves, for their lives, upon which to live 
And as a result, when the storm does come, you know what? They can look beyond the senses. They can look beyond the realm of the natural. They can look beyond the circumstances and all the things that are out there trying to distract them to... You ready for it? Go back to Hebrews chapter 12. Looking to Jesus. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 and verse 3. Let's read 2 and 3. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, the one who authorized it, and one way is the beginner and the finisher. See, faith has a beginning and faith has an ending. In order for us to have reality, we've got to allow faith to work its work. We begin in faith because He authorized what we're saying. We don't just aimlessly make up confessions and say things because we want to say them. No, we say the same thing God said because He is the one who authorizes our faith. If He never said it, then I have no business saying it. But when He says it in His Word or by His Spirit, I can also say it. And then as I say it, my faith has begun its work. But when the storm comes, things visible contradict my faith. Things visible, just like Peter looking around, contradict my faith. Circumstances, agents of darkness assigned against our lives to bring all kinds of things to dislodge us from our position of faith. Instead of looking at all the circumstances, keep looking unto Jesus, the author of and the perfecter, the finisher, the developer of our faith. The one who brings it into full completion, full maturity, so that we can receive our desired result. So you see here, if we want our faith to do its work, then it's important that we understand that our faith cannot remain in a fixed position if we allow the circumstances that surround us, that contradict our life of faith to enter into our hearts and our mouths. And we start speaking out against the things of God 90% of the time, speaking the Word of God 10% of the time, what's going to prevail? I think that's common sense. Is that going to give opportunity for the Spirit of God to work? Absolutely not. On the contrary, it will give opportunity for the evil agents of darkness to work to continue to hold us in fearful bondage. But, beloved, if we'll become more serious with what God has spoken and said, and as the Word of God, Jesus said Himself, put His words in our hearts, let the words abide in you, then you'll start asking and saying what you will, and those things then will be done unto us. It's when we become serious in these things of God, and we put them within our hearts, and speak them out of our mouths, knowing the principles of God's Word and how they work that the Spirit of God has something to watch over, to perform, to make good in our lives. Now, what I want us to do in connection with this is to go back to the book of Hebrews chapter 4 to show how that's revealed once again, that same truth. We need to build a firm spiritual foundation in our lives because we know that the moment we begin to launch out into faith, Satan will begin to shoot his fiery missiles or his fiery darts at our lives for the purpose of dislodging our position of faith, us from our decision of faith. Well, then what we need to do is to lay a good solid foundation, spiritual foundation for our lives, so that when this attack does come, when he shoots the fiery missiles, we can put up our shield of faith. You see the place the shield of faith has? It's not something we're supposed to just sing about the shield of faith. 
This big shield, what is it? And if you'll do a study in the Word of God, you'll find out that this big shield is not only just born out of the things we say, it's also a product of our praise. Did you know that? You know, the, the, the strongest resistance we can stand against Satan with is our life of praise, which is the highest expression of our faith life toward God. That's exactly true. That's why after you've prayed the Bible, you know, you'll always see this in the Bible. Wherever you pray, it says praise and thanksgiving. It's connected with it. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. Be careful for nothing, but in everything with prayer, by supplication, and with thanksgiving. Because once you've prayed, once we've released faith in God, this onslaught of the enemy comes, this attack comes. But thank God we can continue to praise God for the answers, saying the same thing that God said, knowing that Jesus authorized what we're saying. We didn't make it up somewhere. Jesus authorized it. We're just repeating what God said. We're saying the same thing. So we're praising God for the answer. And that becomes a shield of faith to quench the fiery missiles and darts of the enemy, to give no place to the devil so as to undermine our work of faith. And here, Hebrews chapter 4, 14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest passing to the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, and who did it say to look to? Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the developer of our faith, seeing that He's there, then let us hold fast our... And it's the same Greek word, confession, profession, saying the same thing. And the word hold there, hold fast to, means to maintain a certain position so as to prevent change. To maintain a certain position so as to prevent change. I've taken this stand. I have taken this stand. I've taken this position. I have fixed my heart and my mind in this one position right here. I have an anchor for my soul. Jesus is in there in the holies of holies. He is my high priest. He's passed on into the heavenlies. And you know what? I'm just saying the same thing He said. And I keep looking at Him because I'm saying the same thing He said. He's the one that authorized my faith. He's the one that will bring my faith into perfection. So I keep saying what He said. I'm holding fast. I'm staying in my fixed position. Distract as you may. Counterattack as you may. I'm staying in my fixed position. I'm holding fast to my confession. I'm holding fast to saying the same Word of God that pertains to my particular situation. You see why if we don't know the Word of God, we have no foundation. But when we know the Word of God and everything comes against us to distract us, to dislodge us from our position of faith, we can rise up and say, Thanks be to God. They're all lies. Let God be true. Let every man be a liar. Thanks be to God because the Word cannot fail. The Word cannot lie. I'm holding fast to what the Word says in the face of adversity, in the face of contradicting circumstances. I'm holding fast to what the Word says. And therefore, I say. You say, but that sounds like a pretty good struggle to me. Well, I'm, it, it really is. It's, it's a fight that you have to fight. But now go on back there to Hebrews chapter 12, and let's see something else that we can add to it. Verse 3. We never did read that. Look at that now. See, Peter set that law of faith into motion. Spiritual law was set in motion, but then doubt replaced his faith, dislodged him from his position of faith, and he began to sink when he violated that spiritual law. And this is one way that the enemy robs us of many of the promised blessings of God. Many of us never receive the thing that God has for them, even though He's willing to give it to them. That's what James said. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, because he that wavereth is a double-minded man, and let not that man even think he shall receive anything from the Lord. Verse 3, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied in your mind, or wearied and faint in your minds. Beloved, yes, it is a fight. Yes, it is a struggle. But you know what? It's not unto blood. Jesus' struggle was unto blood. Jesus' struggle was unto death. 
And maybe in some cases it can be up until your physical death, our physical death. But what it is saying is this. We need to constantly fix our minds on Jesus lest we be weary and begin to faint in our minds because we have this attack coming against us, against our faith life. We have taken a stand. We've, we've placed, planted ourselves in a fixed position, speaking what God's Word says. Our faith antenna has gone up, and now all this is coming against us. Let me give an example. Here, here we were in Midland, living in Midland, and it was our desire to sell our home. And at the particular time that we were there to sell our home, it just wasn't a good time as far as the economy was concerned and all that. And we had a lot of things coming against us. I'd like to get into full detail about it, but we had a lot of things. And we knew that, you know, for many reasons, we, would no, longer, we no longer desired to stay there and rear up our family there. My daughter encountered some different things that she should never be having to face in life at that young age. And so we just said, this is time, it's time for us. But we have this big mountain. We have a home here. What are we going to do? And beloved, don't copy what I did. Don't think that because we did this, this is something that you're going to do. I believe that the Holy Ghost is our partner. He's right there with us. He's our helper, our standby right there, standing by us assisting us in all that we need to do. And this is how He instructed me to do it. And I know it'll work because it's a law, it's a principle. But I meditated in the Word of God. My wife meditated in the Word of God. We, we put the Scriptures together to see what God said about the situation. And we, He knew what we wanted. We knew what we wanted and what our desire was. And then there was one that says, Well, I'm all ready. Are you ready? And she said, Yes. And I just took the Bible, took the Word of God. I literally put it in my hand. And I walked out into the backyard and I walked around all the property. And finally, when I, I mean, faith was rising in my heart. I stood there in the backyard. I looked up at the house, square eyeball to eyeball. And I said, I command you to go in the name of Jesus. I command that you be sold in the name of Jesus. So that sounds like a funny thing to do. But you know what, beloved? I just took Jesus literally. He said, you sin of the mountain. Be removed. I said, I command you to be sold in the name of Jesus. Now, we've had some instances where that happened in... Of course, it's not instantaneous just like that because that would mean it would be sold right then. But you know what? There's one way you can say that it was sold right then, and that's in the spirit realm. Did you know that? See, in the spirit realm, if you're really walking in faith and not by sight, if you're walking according to the invisible and not the visible, the moment I said that was the moment that house was sold. See, the process began right then, the moment that was spoken. And with our first two houses, they were sold within a 24-hour period. See, the first two times, but this was different. This was different. It took 30 days before the contract was signed. And then, because the people went a certain way, a government program, it took another three months four months just to get the whole deal finalized. But in that period of time, there are all kinds of obstacles, all kinds of things that, well, we can't do it because of this, we can't do it because of that, they can't get along because of this, they can't get along because of that. But you see, beloved, none of those things phased us. None of those things were a concern to us. Because we went back and said, the moment we spoke, I spoke to that house and I said, be sold. In the name of Jesus. And I gave angels charge over the whole thing. It was in their hands. It was in the hands of the Most High. What a real estate agent. Amen? The best, the best in the business. The best in the business. But I'm saying in that period of time, all kinds of things, you see, come against your mind and war against your mind. And even before we confessed our faith. And that's another thought. Sometimes it's hard to get to the point of the place of releasing faith because of all the things you hear. You're never going to sell that house. You're going to have to have half of what it's worth. Well, not only did we get what the house was worth or what we asked for the house, they didn't ask us to come down one penny on the house. Not even asked to come down one penny on the house. But all I'm saying is, beloved, we set these things in motion. And that's just one instance. That's, that's one area. But all the different areas of our lives. You know, God wants to be actively involved in all these different areas of our lives. And we have to understand. 
We have to know how to allow Him to, 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 to manifest Himself in the affairs of our lives and move on our behalf. He authorizes our faith. He tells us what to say. He lets us know what we should be saying and doing. And that's where the ministry of the Holy Spirit comes in also. He'll tell us what to say. He'll tell us what to do. And once we proclaim it and speak it out and say it, faith has been set in motion. The law of faith has been set in motion. Spiritual laws are in operation. And yes, they'll come and attack. They'll come and attack against us to shut that thing down, to shut the operation of it down. Just like Peter's walk. It was too short. It started out right. It was working, but then it was too short of a walk. It was the Father's plan, of course, had he had his way that Peter never began to sink, just continued walking. And we don't want to say ignoring, or let's put it this way, denying the waves. So many people get into trouble because they deny symptoms, or they deny sickness, or they deny disease, or they deny this or deny that. The life of faith, there's no denial of anything. We don't deny that there's sickness. You don't deny that there's disease. You don't deny that there's lack. What you do is you look to the Word of God and say, you know what? I, whatever it is, arthritis, I deny your right to live in my body. Lack, I deny your right to govern my life. But what gives you the right to say that? Jesus authorized it. If he didn't, I'd never say it. Your body is the temple of the living God. With the stripes you were healed. We don't deny the problem. Our look is beyond the physical to the supernatural. I don't deny a house was there. I denied its right to stand in our way or to stay in our way. And once again, the house was sold in the natural realm. But you see, beloved, there will be a struggle. There will be a fight to faith. And in the meantime, and this is so important, so as not to be wearied and faint in our minds, we've got to be doing something from the time we release faith until the time that that thing is realized in this realm of life. Now, it's begun right the moment you spoke it out. But remember, the attack will come to dislodge us from our position of faith so as to prevent us from receiving the promised blessing in this realm of life. And so what do we do? To protect ourselves from that, I'll give you two scriptures. This is the one, and then two more, and we'll close. We consider Jesus. We consider what He said. We look to Him. He's our high priest. He's there. We hold fast our confession of faith. And if we begin to weary and become faint in our minds, let's remember this in Galatians 5 and Isaiah 40. Look at Galatians 5 and Isaiah 40. Galatians chapter 5, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 6 in Isaiah 40. In Galatians chapter 6, beginning at verse 8, and in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28. If we begin to faint in our minds, then we make sure that you know that you're getting your eyes off of Jesus who authorized your faith. He's your high priest. He's there. He's with the Father in the heavenlies. He endured all the contradiction. He endured all the adversity. Everything that contradicted what the Father really wanted for, for the people of God. For everybody. He wanted us all to be blessed. He wanted everything to be right. But Jesus endured it all. All the abuse, all the attack, all the discouragement. All the things that came His way, the rejection that came His way, He didn't look to that. He looked beyond that to the joy of the promised possession. He looked to that. And so we look to Jesus and we maintain a steadfast look. But look at the spiritual law in verse 8. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to his spirit shall of his spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if... And there's that big word again. You can't take it. We can't exclude it. It's there. We can't take it out of our vocabulary. It's there. If we faint not, if we begin to faint, we're not going to reap. 
Spiritual law works that way. If we sow properly and don't faint in our minds and become weary in doing well, then we will reap. And that's why when we begin the fight of faith, recognizing the attack of the enemy is going to come for the word's sake, knowing how he operates, knowing how he assigns his agents of darkness, knowing how circumstances can be stirred up against us so as to dislodge us from our position of faith, we continue to look at Jesus... We look beyond the circumstances. We look to what He has authorized. We know He's the finisher of our faith. And if we begin to weary, Isaiah 40 and 28 is a scripture to put within our hearts. And right on through 31. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. So many times we have failed to turn to that scripture when we begin to faint in our minds. When all these thoughts have come against our thinking faculties, our reasoning faculties, so as to dislodge us from our position of faith, we have failed to realize that this is here for us. And if we find ourselves beginning to become faint or weary, Father God, You give power to the faint. And to them that have no might, He increases strength. You are the strength of our lives. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. Even young people, vibrant, full of life. They're not exempt from fainting in their minds when it comes to this fight of faith. They're not exempt from this battle, from this spiritual warfare that we're in and all that it entails. They're not exempt from fainting and becoming weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. And there'll be those... A thousand will fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand. But you know what, beloved? If we'll maintain our proper focus, it will not come by unto us. It will not come nigh unto us. And he goes on to say, But they that wait upon the Lord. But they that wait upon the Lord. But they that wait upon the Lord. They that come together with the Lord. Allowing Him to be the strength of their lives, allowing Him to exchange strengths with them. See, we're beginning to operate in the mental realm and not the spiritual realm. The devil takes us out of the spiritual realm, gets us operating on emotional energy, intellectual energy, intellectual powers, and make note of it, intellectual powers, physical powers are no match for spiritual powers. But the Father God says, you wait upon me, you inter intermingle with me, you intertwine your life with mine, and I'll see to it that there is an impartation of my strength and of my ability, of my power in your life so as to sustain you, so I can be to you the glory and the lifter of your head, and I'll lift your head up above the adversity, up above the attack, up above the circumstances, and you'll operate in the realm of the Spirit, and you will reap. They that wait upon the Lord shall exchange their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. For we walk by faith and not by sight. And he said, run the race that is set before you. Didn't he say that in Hebrews 12? Looking unto Jesus. It's our run and walk of the faith life. Do you see this? And this is what he's saying. And, of course, ultimately he's talking about our salvation, not just getting a miracle, not just getting a healing, not just getting our financial needs met. He's talking about our salvation. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, 
I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.